Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. Uh, last class session we talked about Desperado, and this class session we're going to jump into From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, this is a perfect movie to talk about, uh, specifically this semester, because because it, it, it really is a collaboration between our two our two professors between our two filmmakers this year, between our two masters, uh, Rodriguez and Tarantino. Um, it's a Tarantino script and it's a Rodriguez directed film, but Tarantino also had a lot of input throughout. Um, and it, it really was a very strong collaboration between the two of them. Um, there's a reason that they did the director's commentary together. So just to give you a little bit of backstory on this film, uh, this was a script that Tarantino had written for Robert Kurtzman. You'll see Robert Kurtzman credited as story by. So Bob Kurtzman, uh, one of the heads, I believe, of K&B um, Effects, which was a big creature effects company, visual effects company, that ended up doing all the, all the effects for this film. Kurtzman had a five-page outline. About four pages of that is what you see in the bar. And what Tarantino said is pretty much everything that happens in the bar was in that outline. It's that first page where Tarantino's contributions really shine. It's that 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 opening stuff that's only one page that, that's only a one page outline that he fleshed out to be like half the movie. So he'd had this script for years and years and years. And Rodriguez, when they met, really wanted to read everything Tarantino had. And so when he read From Dusk Till Dawn, he immediately was really excited about it and he wanted to see it as a movie. And Tarantino had always wanted to see it as a movie, but at that point in his life, he wasn't that excited about that particular project. But then when Rodriguez got really excited about it, Tarantino got excited because he knew Rodriguez wouldn't mess it up. And that was one of his biggest concerns. He's like, this is a movie that someone could easily mess up, and I would really rather you know, know that someone who know that the someone who's doing it could do a good job and because they got along so well they had the same sensibilities and Rodriguez really understood what Tarantino wanted had done with the story you know making it this genre film this exploitation film this horror drive-in movie type film because he understood that Tarantino had no n no issue with Rodriguez taking over this film so this movie is a massive collaboration between the two. And I, I, I really want to talk about that collaboration, especially with in, especially through the lens of Robert Rodriguez, because even though we're going to talk about both of them, I want, I want to kind of frame it that way because he is the director and he didn't really have to listen to everything Quentin said necessarily. He did because he's his friend, but also because they work together so well. That's one of the things about Rodriguez that I think a lot of people are leery of is, well, he does everything himself, so he's not that good at collaboration, right? I, that's That hasn't proven to be the case so far. Rodriguez takes on a lot of technical tasks on his own, but he does a lot of creative collaboration with a lot of people. Um, and so I really want to try to hone in on the importance of collaboration um, between these two guys in this film. So, like, for example, Quentin had a lot of input on casting. Like, 
the the Earl McGraw role, the the uh, Ranger Sheriff. I think he's a Ranger. Ranger Earl McGraw. Well, he'd written that role with with Michael Parks in mind. So Rodriguez knew that and immediately called Michael Parks to cast him. And then, in fact, when he was on set, he tried to think about well. If, if Quentin was shooting this movie, he'd really try to make Earl McGraw look like a movie star. So that's what I'm going to try to do. Um, you know, and you look at that scene and the way it's cut, you know, most of it just stays on, on, on Michael Parks, you know, and, and there's these great close-ups during his, during his lines and all that kind of stuff. Um, some other ideas Quentin had on casting, he, he, it was really his idea to cast George Clooney. Because remember, George Clooney at the time was still a television star. He was doing ER. And, but Quentin had directed an episode of ER and had also and, and, and had just been a fan of the show for a long time. He'd watched Clooney very closely, and he felt that Clooney had this in him, even when other people might not see it. And again, when, Ro- when Robert cast him, he immediately tried to make Clooney look like a movie star. He he shot him on long lenses from low angles to make him look huge. Um, most of the time, he's looking almost directly into the camera. Um, and there's just so many like shots where you just look at it like, wow, Clooney looks so cool right now. You know, he just looked like a movie star. A lot of slow-mo, stuff like that. And then Robert Rodriguez had an idea for casting. And Quentin gave his two cents. He did. Robert Rodriguez really, really wanted Harvey Keitel for the role of Jacob. Quentin told him, so the problem with that is Jacob needs to be this character who gets dominated. And normally when Keitel is in those situations, that doesn't work. Because Keitel's such a powerful actor. He doesn't really let that happen. Um, I remember... um, that Tarantino had worked with Keitel on Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. So he knew. He knew what Keitel was capable of. He'd seen it up close. And, but the more they talked about it, the more Quentin kind of said, well, you know, no, it might work, actually. It's just, it's just Clooney and me are going to have to come in all out. And... Rodriguez felt that what's going to happen, because normally, and it, no, excuse me, Tarantino. I'm going to get him mixed up. I'm pulling all this from the commentary. Tarantino never really liked, I think it was Tarantino. Yeah. Tarantino, one of these guys, never really liked how in these hostage situation movies, how you end up with the father who, like, just seems completely amasculine you know, just can't do anything and is just completely stripped of all ability to protect his family. And the more Quentin thought about it, the more he thought, I think it was Quentin, thought, well, Keitel would bring a layer there where you always felt he was just waiting for the right moment to do something, you know, and and wasn't completely powerless because he was always looking for a window. So that was... That was their input on casting. But there was a lot of collaboration on the script, too. So, like, for example, um, Rodriguez took the script and added a couple things. He, he The biggest thing he added is this whole Aztec vampire mythology 
And a lot of that's kind of under the surface in the movie. If you've seen the television show that was on Rodriguez's um, El Rey Network on his cable channel, then you're probably a little bit more familiar with this stuff. But and, you know, I mean, that's the meaning of the last shot. That's that's why uh, the vampires sometimes trend toward more serpentine forms, um, specifically Selma Hayek's character. You know, and, and, and Quentin thought all that stuff was amazing. He was like, yes, this is perfect. This is so good. Um, you know, but then Quentin would also, like, add scenes or change scenes up in the script to fit, you know, Robert Rodriguez's style more, which was funny because then Robert Rodriguez was shooting some scenes, like, always with the approach of, like, well, how would Quentin shoot this? You know, so there's there's a scene in the uh, in the hotel room where he's shooting through doorways. Well, that's a very Quentin move. Like Rodriguez doesn't do that. Um, stuff like that. Um, well, it, the funny thing was Tarantino had also taken out one of Rodriguez's favorite set pieces, the big exploding liquor store at the end with them just walking away, talking over it. Um, Rodriguez loved that. And Tarantino had taken it out because, because he was afraid he was going to cost too much money. And Rodriguez was like, no, I want that back in. <laughs> But this 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 all brings me to an interesting point. Hopefully not a discouraging one, but an encouraging one. Uh, in Robert Rodriguez interviews, the book Reformation on a Rebel Without a Crew is is the the chapter. It's the interview. He says, and I quote, it's a tricky thing trying to ask another director, how do you do this? Because you're not sure you think you need to find out if there's some trick, but there really isn't. When I was starting out as a cartoonist, I went to another cartoonist and asked, what kind of pens do you use? What kind of paper do you use? He said, oh, I don't know. He said, he said, uh, find out what's right for you. Don't tell me that, I told him. I don't have money to figure it out, but he was right. I tried his method and it sucked. It took me 10 years to find what paper and pen combination worked for me. Same thing with directing. You're not doing it wrong. You're just not doing it like someone else. You figure it out. And then your way will be what other people want to do. Basically, what he's saying is, is uh, this podcast is is total crap. Actually, um, <laughs> not quite, but kind of. I uh, I have set up this podcast in a way that I'm hoping we can learn from other filmmakers, and hopefully, it starts as a springboard for us to move forward in our own filmmaking. That's my hope. I am not hoping that you listen to this show and repeat verbatim everything Alfred Hitchcock or Martin Scorsese or Robert Rodriguez or Tarantino has ever said and assume that that is the only way to make a movie. I am One of the things that I love about this show is we have seen some filmmakers do it the same way, some filmmakers do it very differently. And I'm hoping that that's encouraging to you to understand that there's nothing wrong with your process so long as it works for you. But if that doesn't mean you can't borrow from somebody else at all either. But hopefully you're encouraged to try some of these things and see if they work. And if you don't like them, you don't have to do them. I just want to kind of get the conversation and the ideas rolling around in everybody's head about, hey, this might be a good way to do this or this might be a good way to do to do that. And that's one of the most interesting things about this movie is you have two directors on the same set collaborating together to make a movie that really is neither really doesn't belong to one or the other. 
it really, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface on the amount of collaboration on this film. These guys were really working together, and this is what they came up with. And it doesn't, and that's such an interesting thing to me because you have two directors who came up with a movie, basically. The movie had almost two directors. Um, You probably could have gotten a Tarantino co-directed by credit if the DGA didn't have their issues with co-directing credits. Um, We're going to get into that, too, at some point. But, yeah, there is no right way. Which is something that I, I, I hope actually becomes more clear through this podcast. Um, I'm trying to present to you what certain filmmakers think is the right way. And I can understand their logic on a lot of these points. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's what you have to do. So that's all we have for From Dust Till Dawn. Thank you for listening. Um, please check out our latest experiment in the Robert Rodriguez Method on the Hitchcock University YouTube channel. Um, those come out first of every month. And then there's some supplementary content that, uh, should come out in a couple weeks after that. Um, some commentaries is really what I'm hoping to do with that. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, if you, um, yeah, if you, if you're interested in my Robert Rodriguez method, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's just the Hitchcock University, uh, YouTube channel. There should be some links in the show notes somewhere. There are links on the syllabus show notes for that uh, to get you directly to the channel. Um, Yeah. Um, And if you like what you're listening to, please give us a like, a comment, a review, uh, something to that effect. Wherever it is you listen to the show, whether it's on SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, what have you. Um, Again, thank you all for listening to Hitchcock University. My name has been Taylor Bickle. And this is where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Thank you.